I want to obviously talk to you about the watchman tonight. And I don't know where the Lord wants to go. I just felt this urgency when I stand it up there just to get into the Word of God. I'm not in charge here. I'm just on the, on the boat with Him. <laughs> I found a lot of people's problem is they think they're in charge of something. <laughs> it's really true. It's like, it's like, well, I just, I don't really feel like doing that. Like, God never asked your opinion when you got into the kingdom. Like one day when we stand before him, what are we going to say? We didn't feel like doing it? You could have walked on water, but you wanted to be American. <laughs> so, watchman. A watchman is, uh, we're just defining the term and then we'll kind of go in closer to what I believe the Lord wants to center on tonight. A watchman is a guard. It was a guard in ancient Israel and often had... Uh, most Israeli cities had a watchman who guarded the city and kept his eyes for approaching enemies. And I'll, read, I'll just give you some scripture references because we use a lot of scripture, but I'll, I'll give you these. 2 Samuel chapter 13, verse 34, you'll find that. The watchman's duty was to keep vigil and was often on a tower or wall, whether it was for a king, it was over a city, over a field, and often at night. The word watchman means to look out, to spy, to keep watch. It's more literally translated as one who watches. Makes sense, right, watchman? <laughs> most of the time they were stopping from physical threats, but we know probably the most famous watchman in the Bible is, of course, Ezekiel, the prophet. He's known as a major prophet. And it's very interesting to me, and we'll, maybe we'll develop this thought a little more, is that as a major prophet in the New Testament, he was known as a watcher, and as a watcher, he had this duty to watch from the prophetic person he was called to be. And then we know as New Testament people, we're all called to be prophetic people. Got one amen there, but still true. <laughs> So that's my next point. Every New Testament believer has a responsibility to function as a watchman. Every New Testament believer has the responsibility to function as a watchman. What God does in the life of an individual or what He desires to do, He doesn't half save you. He doesn't partially save your life. He... he he, your, your old life was so bad, he nailed it to a cross. It had no use for him, so he gave you a new life. And in that new life, you have, a you, you have the ability to be completely transformed, no issues in your mind, not bound by your past, not bound by your victim, not bound by your race. It's very important in this, in this time that the body of Christ not be hijacked by Babylonian system agendas in how we view race and culture. A biblical posture is always to speak against injustice and unrighteousness. But in that posture, we should never put people back in a victim state that Jesus has taken them out of. A 
our responsibility to function as watchmen is rooted in the authority that God has given to all believers. Our responsibility to function as watchmen is rooted in the authority that God has given to all believers. So let me, let me finish that point a little bit. He, he, he has actually purchased the ability for you to be completely free in every way and with, with, with the, 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 the greatest life. The reason he calls it the abundance life is you can get up in this world. doesn't mean you don't have any issues. It just means that you don't have to live with sickness, disease, torment, poverty, overwhelmness. I'm stressed out. That's such an American thing. I'm stressed out. So stressed out. You know why you're stressed out? You're the middle of it. <laughs> so he's given you the ability to live of all that. And then as you come to realize the inheritance you have, what he's done in you, you get to steward to the world around you. You'll notice something really interesting that Jesus never leads anyone into salvation. They saw something modeled that caused them to be attracted to the life that He caused them to live. So our responsibility to function as watchmen, I'm spitting now, I'm doing good. Doing really good. Our responsibility to function as watchmen is rooted in the authority God has given to all believers. Genesis 1, we know. Uh, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them, let them, let them be the watchmen of the earth. Let them be the caretakers of the earth. The position we've been given as believers is the foundation by which we can function as watchmen. We must know believe and receive and begin to learn how to operate from the position of divine authority we've been given. We've not been created to be independent entities. But as human beings, we've been created to have complete dependence upon God. But there's always this tensions, these tensions in God. One of the greatest powers we've been given as human beings is the power to choose our future. Like, why is God people there? How could God send people to hell? No, they just chose to go there. I know it's crazy, but there's a lot of crazy people in this world. Our future will be lived correctly when we learn our greatest power is in choosing daily submission to Him. Only in surrender can we truly live a life of freedom and purpose. As we learn to live in dependence upon Him, we are given the privilege of governing the earth. Now this is really important. This is a biblical concept here. That everything you see, and this is critical to functioning as a watchman and as a believer, everything you see in this world has been created by something you cannot see. And this is big because many Western believers need to be delivered of exalting the intellect above the things of the Spirit. It doesn't mean your intellect is unimportant. Please use your brain when you leave here tonight. But your intellect is not the governing feature of your life. But everything you see has been created by something you cannot see. 
What you see happening in the world is not being controlled by, by the people you see leading it. There are, there are principalities, powers, rulers in high, in high places and they, are, they operate through people in gatekeeper ways and they, and they operate through them to fulfill what is happening in the unseen realm. It's, it is manifested in the seen realm. A key aspect to function as a watchman is the ability to legislate from the unseen realm. Very, very important. World events do not happen. They are a result of human partnering with two different entities in the earth. There is such a thing. And this is also very important because even this, the, the Babylonian system world thought process has been brought inside to the body of Christ. You do you. No, please do not do you. You do what God's created you to do. Well, that you have your truth and I got my truth. No, there's only one truth. One truth. Well, you know if that works for you. Because at the center of it is man and the intellect. Because you get to decide what's right and wrong. I've learned some things with God too that you don't have to even like what He thinks about certain things. You just have to do it. Humanity has never been created by God to be at the mercy of world events. Rather, our belief system was to dictate to the world around us what the world was to become. Before the body of Christ, and we've made a, 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 some major errors in this, we, we are pointing fingers of accusation at people in places of authority when it is the negligence of the body of Christ that has allowed those things to flourish. You, we can no longer afford to be biblically illiterate. We're going to look at this in a minute, but born again literally means, the Greek, to be rendered from above and of anew. Our ability to govern the earth as God intend, intends is defined by our ability of learning to live from heaven towards earth. Jesus comes at this, as a second Adam to model what God intended for all humanity. Now this is very important to, to remember about Jesus, that when He comes to earth, He does not come to complete the task of, of advancing the kingdom of God completely. He comes with one mission to show what's possible through humanity and then to leave the mission to you and I. But there's also a very, very important aspect that I've learned about Jesus. That he, he lived with this consciousness. Not only is he modeling something, but it is extremely important that he wins the battle over death so he can sit victoriously and then invite you to live victoriously with him. Yeah. He understood this, and you see this in the Gospels. Look at... Um, uh, we could go a bunch of different places here. 
Look at John chapter 1, if you would. John chapter 1. Let's pick this story up in verse 46. This is really interesting. I think the whole Bible's really interesting. If you've been bored at home, open your Bible. John chapter 1, verse 46. Jesus is teaching a theological principle here. And Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said, Come and see. Jesus Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite in, in whom is no deceit. And Nathanael said, How do you know me? And Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. Now this is really, really fascinating to me. Then Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? And, and by the way, the, the word believe there is interchangeable with the word trust or faith. Anytime you see that, you can end the word their trust. Do you trust? Do you trust? Our world is defined by trust. Do you trust? You will see greater things than these. So he tells him, if you trust, you'll see greater things than these. And he said to him, most assuredly I say to you, thereafter you shall see heaven open. Notice, that's an unseen realm type of thing. And he's telling them, by, your, by believing, I want to open you up to these greater things, but these greater things are in an unseen realm, but the things that you see in the unseen realm are relative to everything you'll see in the seen realm. I've been fascinated with the life of Oral Roberts for many years, and he saw ORU before he actually ever saw it. Most assuredly, I say to you, thereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Notice, what is the focus there? The focus is on Jesus. Where should your focus be right now? The Word of God. I'll try over here because some of you look... (laughs) The focus is Him. That's what you're singing about tonight. I'm telling you, do not lose focus in this season. Thereafter, you shall see heaven open, an unseen realm that you can see in the earth, but has every relative application to what's happening in the earth. It's very important to to also know that Jesus knew he had to ascend to that heavenly place because he's going to invite us in, but he's modeling for us on the earth how that's happened. Look at John, the third chapter. Stay focused, please. John chapter 3, verse 5. This is Jesus talking to Nicodemus. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Unless one is born from the top, born from the top, that's what he's saying there. Unless one is born from the top, and notice, he says it's of the Spirit, and that which is birthed in the Spirit gives birth to spiritual things and can be applied in the natural world. Very, very important. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. 
Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The, the wind blows where it wishes. You hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, how can these things be? See, he's thinking one-dimensionally. He's thinking just... And, and this is a... This is a uh, maybe we'll talk about it later in the weekend. This is often, too, where I find uh, sometimes we will miss it as believers. Not you, me. That we hear correctly from the Lord, but we try and apply what we've heard to our natural situation, and it often ends up in the dump because we've applied our intellect to revelation that God has given us, but He wants us to continue in revelation to walk out that truth that He just gave us. How can these things be? He's like, how are you be born again? I'm like 22 years old. How am I going to be born again? Jesus said, welcome to the kingdom of God. You get to start all over again. Jesus answered, are you a teacher of Israel and do you not know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and we testify of what we see. You see right here, he's, he is illustrating this concept of a- acting as an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ. He realizes he is not there to simply represent Jesus' ministry. He is a sent one from heaven telling about heavenly things, about a kingdom that is not of the world, but that applies to this world, and he's teaching about heavenly truths. Often, I believe there were many things he wanted to say because he said, and I will utter things hidden before the very foundation of the world. He actually wanted to tell people about, hey, this is how like, you know, you could get the rocket ships going and things like this. But they were like, you know, he would talk about, hey, did you bring the bread? And they were like, hey, did, did, did you get, and he's not talking about food. Jesus is really simple, but he's really, really multi-layered. He makes like one simple statement and it means that. There is a direct meaning to certain scripture, but he also means like eight different things about that. That's why he, you see the Sermon on the Mount. He's, he's using natural things so he can, he can teach them about the kingdom of God. That's also another reason why he doesn't tell you everything you need to know at one, at one moment, even the disciples. But walking with Jesus is beautiful because he'll tell you something in 2002 and you're like, yes, Lord, I, I believe it. And you don't understand that thing till 2015. <laughs> I know a lot of people trying to figure out when he's coming home, back. And he was telling the disciples when he's coming back and they still didn't get it. I don't think much of charts. It's just me. You do whatever you want. I'm still trying to occupy till he comes. She says, if I told you earthly things and you do not trust, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? Now this is the, the, the key that he's illustrating for us. No one has ascended into heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man, who is in heaven. So he's standing on the earth and he goes, but I'm in heaven, 
Because I'm seeing things, I'm seeing reality. He says, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He cannot see that which God wants to do to take from the unseen realm into the seen realm and bring it into reality. So he goes, I'm legislating, I'm living from a place of authority. That's why, like, you know, they're at the, you know, he gets the compassion thing and he starts teaching and he's like, oh, there's no McDonald's around here. And, you know... His disciples are like, send them home, you know, and he's like, he's like, well, how much money do you have? And he goes, well, that, this would cost this amount to feed all these people. And, and he goes, you feed them. Because he's, he's sitting with the Father, even though he's on the earth, he's on the Father going, hey, you got, I mean, you got more than enough. I mean, we could just feed them. How do you want to do this? He's legislating from a different place. He's living, even though he's on the earth, he's seeing the earth through God's lens of abundance. When Peter is still quite, quite not right with the Lord, cursing, <laughs> he's like, I sent him to deliverance, he's still messed up, Jesus. <laughs> but he's like, he's like, no. Nah. That's the guy who's going to die for me one day. He's got to see him from a different place. When maybe they were giving large offerings to his ministry, he goes, yeah, they're not going to last real long. He trusted no one. That's what he said. Because he knew the hearts of men. He was seeing from a different place. It's gotten very quiet. I don't know why it's so quiet here. No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man who is in heaven. They taught us this in Matthew 16, verse 19. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. What do keys do? They open doors and gates. And he who holds the keys is the one who decides who can get in or out. And he says, I've given, I'm giving you keys of authority in the earth. That that which already exists in heaven, I'm going to give you the ability to access it here on the earth and bring heaven to earth. In Matthew 28, of course, he, he's, he's ascended now. Then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee. Well, let's just go get verse 18 just for the sake of time. Verse uh, 28, verse 18. And Jesus spoke to them and said, saying... All authority, 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 all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Key part of this is a watchman was stationed at a watchtower. 
It was a high place within a city. There's a reason Jesus ascends and doesn't go down. Matthew, 20, uh, Matthew 20, excuse me, Luke 22:16, he says this, "Thereafter, the Son of Man will sit on the right hand of power." And then Luke says this. These, this is really important to our divine positioning here. Acts 2, verse 32 through 33. Jesus, and that this Jesus who God raised up, which we are all witnesses, therefore being highly exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promises of the Holy Spirit, He poured this out which you now see and hear. So He's, he's saying this is where Jesus is. Now He's come on the earth. He's modeled what it's looked like to to live from heaven towards earth. He did only what he was motivated by the Father. He says, I only do what I see my Father doing in heaven. But Jesus had a free choice. So what is that pointing us to? It's pointing us to the way he thought. In his mind, he does not entertain doing anything that the Father would not have him to do. And so he's seeing the world through God's perspective. Now he dies, resurrects, He's got to resurrect, and he, the reason he's able to do that is because all of us were messed up. People are like, well, he's doing okay. You know, he doesn't serve the Lord, but he's doing okay. No, he's doing really bad if he's not serving the Lord. Not good. He dies resurrects, and now he's seated at the right hand of the Father, and he's seated at a place of authority and legislation. And he wants to govern the nations from that place, but who he wants to govern the nations through is through you and I. That's why he's given us keys of authority. That's why Paul says this is... This is apostolic language here. Then if you are raised with Christ, where are you? You're raised with Christ. Seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of the Father. Romans 8, verse 34. Who is he who condemns us? It is Christ who died. Furthermore, is also written, who is even at the right hand of the Father of God, and then catch this, this is really important, who also makes intercession for us. See, what's really important to understand about Paul is this. There's a reason God picked him to write two-thirds of the New Testament. Because he was extremely zealous for God. The God he knew, though, was the God of the Torah. So he studied the Torah. He's trying to be Torah. He's trying to do everything that book says. He knows that book inside and out. He is zealous for God. He's trying to live that thing. He's trying to live that thing so he could hasten the coming of Messiah. He had a passion for a Messiah he did not know. And when that Messiah came, it was a promise breaking in of heaven to earth 
the coming kingdom, he saw this, if that Messiah would come, heaven would break into earth and the power of the next age would come into this age. He did not look at Christianity as a new religion. He saw this breaking in of this age. And this age breaking in would be the inauguration of the kingdom of God here on earth. And we, now he missed it because he thought it was too connected together. But he saw that breaking in of that. So when he's about to go persecuting believers, he's on this road, he gets knocked off this horse because the Holy Spirit's a gentleman. (laughs) And he goes, who are you? He goes, I am Jesus, Yeshua the Messiah, who you're persecuting. So the one you're believing for the hastening of has now come to you and revealed himself to you. So when Paul receives Yeshua the Messiah, he does not see himself converting. He sees himself as believing the Messiah that was promised for his people. So what he saw was this violent now taking in of this kingdom. Jesus has come. Oh, I missed that part that Jesus came. But he's here now. And now there is a breaking in of heaven towards earth. And now God has given me this revelation that this resurrected Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father. And this new creation, this thing that never existed, it gives us the privilege, though we live in this weak body, this weak people that we are, guess what? Every mistake is covered. You get to sit, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and you get to sit in this council of the Lord. Who has stood in the council of the Lord? And who has been marked by His Word? And you sit at this place, and one of the things Jesus is praying, He's praying the Word of God over you, but He's giving you insight, understanding, and wisdom. That's why I'm emphasizing this foundational piece, because many believers are living soul to soul, and they're binding this, and they're binding that, and they're reacting to every issue. Let me tell you, racism is just a symptom. It is an antichrist, lawless spirit that has come to this earth. That is the true principality behind all this. Division, control, manipulation, all these things. Racism is true and it's a reality, but it's just a symptom. If you just focus on that, you'll be right in the, you you will engage the enemy right at the place he wants. But I'm here to say, get that thing at the root 